podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Phillips Laven of the 1012 Podcast here. Have you been listening to this show for a while and thought, you know, if that guy can do this, then so can I? Well, you're, you're probably right. And it's worth giving a shot. The one question you're going to ask yourself is, how do I get my podcast out for everyone to listen to on iTunes, on Spotify? Well, you're going to need a hosting site. And if I may make a suggestion, go with Anchor. It's easy and it's free, which is great for podcast hobbyists uh, who aren't exactly expecting this to make a lot of income, especially starting out. Anchor is fantastic. Anchor by Spotify is the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need in one place. It has the tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your show on listening platforms like we mentioned Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And again, it is totally free. It's fantastic. It is what we use. And if it's what we use, it's what we're going to suggest to others. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Again, that is the Anchor app or anchor.fm to get started with your podcast. Well, the Big 12 is screwed, and we'll get into that. I am Philip Slavin, and this is the 10-12, the podcast that covers all 10 teams in the Big 12 conference. It's Monday, and uh, Baylor fans, um, have a drink. Do whatever you can to get to next week. You get to play Texas. That's a good sign. After blowing a historic 25-point lead to OU on Saturday, the Big 12's playoff picture is... It's not clear yet, but the signs aren't good. That's a big, big, big topic of discussion today between myself, Andy Mitz of Rock Chuck Pod and Landry Gotlet, and Bart Keeler of the Smoking Musket. That is the main topic. We're also going to talk about West Virginia, who got a big win over Kansas State on Saturday. They have a big matchup this coming Saturday with Oklahoma State. Why that game is so important for the Big 12's potential playoff picture and who Oklahoma needs to win that game. It's a really fun conversation. This is a long pod, so this intro is short. Just a reminder, make sure you're signed up for Big 12 now so you don't miss any of the Big 12 basketball games this season. There have been plenty of games on there already, and I'm assuming most of you Kansas, Oklahoma State, Kansas State fans have already signed up. What are the rest of you waiting for? Just go to our Twitter account at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast. Find the tweet pinned to the top. Click the link in it. Get yourself signed up. And don't miss a minute of the Big 12 Now action. It was another exciting weekend of action in the Big 12. This weekend, we had one of the 
wildest comebacks or biggest bed shits you've ever seen, a couple of upsets that have really turned things topsy-turvy, and uh, Kansas is still the worst team in the Big 12 for like the thousandth year running. So to join me today to kind of recap everything and look ahead to what this all means for the Big 12 and the playoff and bowl season, my usual Sunday-Monday contributor, Andy Mitz of the Rock Chalk Podcast and Land Grant Gauntlet. Andy, welcome back. Good to be back. Thank you, sir. Uh, and joining us today, a one of my favorite usuals to come on the show, Bart Keeler from the Smoking Musket. Bart, welcome back, man. You know, I'm glad that you mentioned that Kansas is still the worst football team in the Big 12 because we, West Virginia proved that they uh, can possibly not be the worst. I thought after the Texas Tech game, we were actually the worst football team in the Big 12. So I'm glad we are uh, one step above that for the time being. So we are going to talk a little West Virginia, but I, I want to get there in a bit. I want to start with obviously the biggest game of Saturday was Baylor blowing a 28-3 to lead, a score that we've never seen blown before in the history of football, uh, and allowing the OU Sooners to come all the way back and claim victory in what was just the most, I don't know, outside of like Norman, the most frustrating and soul-crushing thing to watch happen. Like, I don't feel... I, I just, I don't know. Like, on the one hand, I actually think it hurts the Big 12's playoff chances at this point. And on the other hand, um, it also means that we're pretty much set for this rematch in the Big 12 championship game. And I was really hoping to see something different than than this game again, though maybe afterwards it'll be a lot of fun. Bart, you had an interesting take that we were discussing off air. What, what was your kind of takeaway from this one? <laughs> So uh, I think I've, you know, I've been on here before. So I think people are aware that I uh, live in Atlanta. I was born and raised here. And um, as I, as I said, I empathize with the Baylor fans and their team after blowing a 28 to three lead. I don't have a lot of sympathy for them. Uh, but I, I think there are ways to cope with it that I've learned. Um, what now three years after that uh, event for my team in a game that I don't think about much. Uh, that's false. I think about it a lot. Um, it it was the first thing, it was one of the first things that popped into my mind when I saw the score line. Um, but I didn't really think about it until uh, one of my Smoking Musket compatriots, uh, David Smith, uh, he texted me and he goes, Bart, it was 28 to three. And I'm watching this and I'm like, oh, this is fun. Like, yeah, this is a fun game to watch. This is getting interesting. And he texts me that and I'm like, oh, like immediately my mood changed. Uh, it was uh, <laughs> it, it was disheartening to re- be reminded of that again. Um, and I think Baylor fans will have that feeling for a long time because this truly, I mean, it wasn't a Super Bowl and it wasn't, you know, the last game of the season, but this was essentially, this was their chance to lock in uh a route to the college football playoff, something that I know that they feel still slighted by, uh, you know, after what, four or five years now. Yeah. I, man, that is just 28 to three. You have a 25 point lead. You are putting a whooping on Oklahoma. And if they had found a way to, to, to can win that way, even if that wasn't the final score, but to win in such a a big way, not only would Baylor have jumped up in the rankings, they they would have been in contention because that would have been a huge win, a huge huge win. Instead, they just like I don't. I'm I'm just gonna be honest. I really like Matt Rule, 
And I don't associate Matt Rule with Baylor of the past. But it's really hard to like feel no, bad for not. Baylor. Like when you're a fan base that still was like bring Art Briles back t-shirts, even though you had like Matt Rule, who's a real, obviously a hell of a coach and a good guy and runs a clean program from what we can tell. Like I don't, Baylor almost doesn't deserve Matt Rule, but I don't want to get into the like anti-Baylor stuff because then we have Baylor fans. And I don't, I don't mean to like shit on Baylor, but like, I don't feel bad for you to be honest. Andy, what, what was your big takeaway from this one? I mean, my big takeaway from this is that both of these teams are essentially the teams that I thought they were, you know, Baylor, has a really good defense that can all of a sudden lose itself for small stretches of time. Um, Oklahoma is a team that, to be honest, just doesn't really seem to know how they want to play. Um, And yes, I mean, it was absolutely fantastic for them that they came back from so far down. Uh, and I, I actually was was looking. I had to go double check to see if the the final score was the same as that twenty eight to three um, between Atlanta and New England, and it actually was not. It ended up at thirty four twenty eight. So I, it would have been a perfect parallel <laughs> if they had, you know, if if Baylor had scored one less field goal. But um, yeah, I mean, the, you know, I, I expected that this was going to be a close game. I was absolutely shocked that Baylor got out so quick. Um, I did think that the Baylor offense, I'm sorry, the Baylor defense was going to be able to stop Oklahoma for stretches of a time. I just did not realize that they were going to essentially have their way with them in the first half and not be able to really do anything against them in the second half. I thought it would be spread out a little bit more. So I'm not really shocked at the score. I'm honestly not that shocked at how we got there. Um, I just think that really both of these teams are fairly evenly matched. um, And Baylor just unfortunately has never been there before, it seems like. And so they they didn't really know how to deal with the pressure of, of Oklahoma charging at them like that. I'll say this, full credit to to Lincoln Riley and the OU offense for completely changing their strategy in the second half of that game. And basically just, we're going to do the quarterback run because you can't stop it. And they kept Baylor's offense off the field. And Baylor's got a really good defense, but I don't care how good your defense is. When you're having to play that many snaps in a row, when you are not getting a break, you're gassed. You're done. Like they, Theo Weiss was just dipping, dip, dip, dive, dodge, duck, and every other thing involved in dodgeball to not get tackled. They could not tackle Theo Weiss to save their lives. Like I watched it, it was like that's like he's really impressive. Also, they literally it's like Keystone Cops out there. They couldn't tackle him. Like they were exhausted, arm tackling, running into guys. OU's game plan in the second half was perfect, and so then of course. The OU defense may not be great, but you've you've sat on the sideline just waiting. You're rested. You're ready to go. You can attack. Props to OU. Full credit to them for what they did and and for the changes they made and some coaching decisions to get that interception late. Having him, it just props to OU. I hate saying that, but props to Oklahoma. They had a, a, they changed the game plan and it worked perfectly. And for Baylor, like it's going to be a really nice season. I know you had a lot in front of you. You're not going to, you're not, it doesn't matter if you win out. It doesn't matter if you win the big 12, you're not going to the playoff. Your non-conference schedule is so bad. And the view of the big 12 at this point, and because of what happened with Kansas state and Texas, the big 12 is in a, a lot of trouble. And that's where I want to go next is it feels like OU who before this game, the last AP poll was number 10. You, you, 
you come back to beat Baylor, which is impressive in its own right and, and, and was a historic comeback. But for the playoff committee, it is their biggest win. But how much do you think the playoff committee will actually move them? Like LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Georgia, Bama, Oregon, Utah, Minnesota, and Penn State were all ahead of them. Minnesota lost, so so obviously OU will jump then. Maybe OU will jump Penn State. So OU's looking at eight. Do you think that OU can jump any of the other top seven teams after this weekend and and that we'll see them in any spot other than eighth in the next playoff ranking? And the I next, haven't. the most, the one coming out Tuesday, that one? Yes. Okay, just making sure we're talking about the same one. Um, yeah, I, 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 I don't I mean, see no. any way at all that they jump any higher than eighth. And and I think it's a shame because, you know, I mean, I, I'm thinking Oregon and Utah, like, I don't think that those are better teams in Oklahoma, but the committee has already decided that they are. Um, and the fact that they beat, you know, that Oklahoma beat Baylor, um, I don't think that's enough for you to completely reevaluate those those resumes and jump Oklahoma above them. That being said, I would not be surprised if they actually did decide that, you know, going on the road, beating Baylor, that that was a bigger win. Because to be honest, I still think that's a bigger win than than you know, that game was a bigger win than Oregon or Utah have on their schedule at all. And so if you give them that credit and they can mm-hmm. jump above Oregon and Utah, then I think that they have the inside track to the playoff because after Alabama lost to a, you know, they're, I think they're going to fall off to be honest. Um, you know, they, they have some big games coming up. They're already at this point, not going to be able to make it to the sec championship. I would not be surprised to see them lose to Auburn. And if that happens, then they're done. Um, Georgia, I think is going to have to win the sec championship or they're done. So a team like Oklahoma is going to jump up there as long as they can keep winning. And it is going to require them to win again in the big 12 championship. But um, Oklahoma, I think at this point has the inside track unless Oregon and Utah both stay above Oklahoma and they face each other in the PAC 12 championship. Um, if that happens, then I think Oklahoma is in a lot of trouble. Yeah. I think going forward, um, I, I actually do think maybe to answer your question, like immediately in this, uh, rankings, they may jump them ahead. The committee may jump Oklahoma ahead of Utah just because I don't think Utah has any sort of comparable win. I mean, I think they're trying to give credit to both Utah and Oregon for beating USC at home, which, I mean, you can pretend that that means something, but I think we've all seen that Southern Cal is not the football program it used to be, and I, they're not ranked. You know, they're they have they're a multiple-loss team. So maybe you can see the committee saying, wow, Oklahoma – did take down the toughest test they've had finally. And, and so they can maybe get some points for that in the committee's mind or, or that does help their resume a little bit. Um, I think possibly I'm not, I don't believe they will jump them. I'm just trying to explain why maybe they could. It's also very possible that the committee looks at what happened to Tua at Alabama and go, we don't think that they're the same team without with, with him injured and him actually out um i don't know why they would think that because i don't think alabama's shown that they're any you know they're not they haven't had a need to show that they're not any still good without tua um but i think you i think of anything you'll see oklahoma move up to maybe seven and it would be to bump utah into eight i think that's really the only logical one the only one i could think other than that is oregon jumping alabama just because alabama lost a, a key player who is a, a dynamic player for that team and, and does make that team a, a different and more 
difficult team to beat. But, you know, I got to be honest, I think people are putting Alabama uh, – that, that resume that Alabama has is not good. Um, their best wins are what? I mean, A&M. Uh, maybe they'll, they'll have an Auburn win. Um, probably. I don't know. Auburn looked okay. They've looked okay throughout the season. So I'm not quite sure what the committee sees in Alabama right now other than they dominated the teams they played for the most part. But um, I do think Oklahoma has a chance to maybe get as high as seven. Um, but I don't, I don't think they're getting into the playoff hunt anytime soon. They're definitely not going to be in that top six this time around. Um, and, and so we're, you know, they won't be at the top of the conversation next week. Yeah. I, I'm worried for OU because I, I don't, I think they're going to be eight. I don't know that they're going to be able to jump Utah and Oregon. Um, I, I think they probably should jump Utah. I'm sorry. I don't think Utah beats Oklahoma. Um, if, if I test is going to be part of this, like they keep saying it is, then they, I think OU should jump Utah. And and really, Oregon and Utah's resumes are pretty dang similar. The only difference is that Oregon has a better loss. Oregon Oregon lost to Auburn and USC lost or Utah lost to USC. That's the only real difference between their resumes. You go look at who they right. beat, and it, that's that's about it. Um, but I think they're giving them a more credit than they are to Oklahoma, and part of that is some of you know o, OU's loss to Kansas State keeps looking worse now that Kansas State lost this week to West Virginia. Who I know they switched quarterbacks, and I know their defense has suddenly been pretty decent but it's not a it's not a Kansas State shouldn't have lost to West Virginia like that's not good for the Big 12 and then and right now that's the problem for Oklahoma is the Big 12 is such a a mess that what's left in front of them if you're Oklahoma you're rooting for Oklahoma State to beat and if, I know I know OU fans are like we don't root for anybody but whatever you're an idiot if you think that if you're an OU fan, you are rooting for Oklahoma State to beat West Virginia so that they stay ranked so that you can add potentially two more ranked wins to your resume throughout the season. You want to play a ranked Oklahoma State at the end of the season, regular season, and beat them. You want to face Baylor again in the, in the Big 12 championship game, and you hope that they have won their last two games and that you can beat them. Because right now, the only thing that OU potentially has going for them is a shot at two more ranked wins at the end of the year. Because the thing that they have to deal with if they're still behind Oregon and Utah is one of those teams, you look at their schedules to round out the season, there's nobody there. They don't have good Pac-12 teams in the way. There's a, there's a very realistic shot. And look, upsets happen. We've seen them. That OU, that Oregon and Utah finish the season at 11-1 and one each and then face off the Big 12 title game. And guess what, folks? Whoever wins that is going to have a really, really nice win on their resume. Better than anything OU's going to have. And that may be the only good win on their resume, but that's what the committee cares about is, is who's on your resume. And that's why Georgia, I'm going to be honest, I think Georgia's going to be third on Tuesday because that win over Auburn gives them wins over Auburn, Florida, and Notre Dame, and that's way better than anything Clemson has on their resume. And I think Georgia, despite the loss of South Carolina, because losses only matter when they get to that point on the on the, the checklist, Georgia might be third. And that's a problem for, for the Big 12 because I know no one's going to want to hear this, but if Georgia wins the SEC and LSU's only losses to Georgia in the SEC championship game, guess what? Georgia and LSU are both getting in. I don't want to talk about this. I know. I just, I, <laughs> I OU, the Big 12 is in a really, really <laughs> tough spot. The Big 12 is in a really tough spot right now. I think, and... but we know that. We know that coming into every season. Both the Pac 12 and the Big 12 are a, like, you have to have an undefeated conference champion to truly have a chance to get into the playoff. That's a flaw in the playoff system because clearly the Big 10 gets so much more credit than they deserve. 
I'm sorry, they just do. They finally have another decent team in Minnesota this year, but they really haven't had a complete conference of good teams yet. The Big 12 is definitely having a bat down year, but we have, what, four co new coaching changes, you know? And, and so it was kind of expected. It's not fair, but we knew it was going to happen. But, like, I'm with you. Like, I don't think that Oregon or – I think Oregon has a much better resume than Oklahoma because, obviously, their one loss was to a pretty decent – Auburn team that now obviously has is accumulating losses as they play good teams but that loss to Auburn is is definitely a much better look than Oklahoma's loss to Kansas State um, especially as Kansas State now just lost again but it it does I, we just have to understand that the Big 12 doesn't have the clout that the other conferences do and as much as we pretend or as we're told that you know, name recognition isn't really that big of a thing. They're looking at this resume and it's supposedly, you know, they don't have a name at the top, whatever. Um, Bull. I, we all know. That, <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> we all know that's bull <laughs> well, um, the, because they, they know who's who they do. Right. The, the biggest argument for that is the fact that Clemson is still anywhere in the top 10 with the trash schedule that they have. Yeah. The only team they beat is Texas A&M, who, by the way, has four losses, has not proven They're to be not a, good. a good team at well, all this year. Three. The only reason people consider Texas A&M to even be – wait, I, I thought I was just seeing that they were 7-4 and four at this point, but may, maybe I was looking at the wrong team. But, um, you know – or I'm sorry. Yeah, okay. Uh, maybe I was seeing 6-4 six, six, six and four or something like that. I'm not really sure. But regardless, Texas A&M is the only win they have that's worth – anything at all like the rest of the ACC is complete trash if if it wasn't Clemson defending national champion I don't even think that they would be ranked in the top seven or eight right now because their schedule has been absolutely horrible and so really what we're seeing is Clemson's getting that huge bump because oh hey they've got the name they're the defending national champions they're like there's no way that they could be that bad or that you know the schedule that they have to go through which by the way was trashed last year as well they had they didn't really have to go through anything until they got to the playoffs. Um, so, I mean, that, you know, that's what we're, that's what we're dealing with is the fact that a league like the ACC is getting, I'm sorry, Clemson specifically is getting way too much credit for the league that they go through. And the big 12 is paying the price. Like at this point it should be, you know, there was a very realistic chance when there was the opportunity, you know, for it to be LSU and Georgia, you know, fighting it out in the SEC championship potentially if Georgia wins, they both could go to the playoff. And if Minnesota and Ohio state were on track and we're both undefeated, you know, that very well could have been, then we would have two big 10 and two sec, which I don't know that I necessarily could have complained if all of those teams, except for Georgia were undefeated going into the end of the championship weekend. Um, but now that Minnesota's dropped off, like Clemson is still just as solid as they ever were, even though again, their schedule is absolutely horrible. Like it's literally one of the worst power five schedules of a team that has been considered for the college football playoff or the BCS national title game, like in history, it is that bad. And, you know, Oklahoma has played a much more difficult schedule. They have a better win. When you actually take a look at the actual, you know, the actual teams themselves, Baylor's a much better win than Texas A&M. Um, but Clemson is undefeated because they really haven't played anybody. And, they're national champions. And so like, that's the only thing that they have to their resume. And it's honestly not going to matter unless somehow they may, they managed to lose in the ACC championship. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't see that happening. I, I, oh, the big 12 needs a little bit of chaos to happen. And, and it has in the past. It just doesn't feel like a year of chaos. To be honest, this feels like 
the year of the underdog where some teams come out of nowhere to, well, the to problem have a is really the nice season. still works against the Big 12. Yeah, yeah. Potentially. So, right. The problem I mean, isn't it, it, that it's not a year for chaos. It's it's that it's not a year where chaos is going to happen everywhere except for the Big 12. Because if chaos was happening everywhere else <laughs> from the rest of this time and Oklahoma won out, like if, if Oregon and Utah both dropped another one, you know, Georgia drops one, Alabama drops one. Well, Alabama's probably going to drop one anyway. But, um, you know, if, if all those teams drop one, and Clemson somehow drops one, then Oregon's going to, or then sorry, then Oklahoma's going to walk in the playoff. But the problem is going to be all of that has to happen. And oh, by the way, Oklahoma has to avoid losing another game. And the Big Twelve has been so chaotic this year and just so ridiculous that I just don't see that if all of that happens, that the Big Twelve is going to stay completely out of it. So, to, to, so to something that, that Bart said that the Big Twelve is not as good this year. I actually think that's incorrect. So the top of the Big Twelve isn't as good this year as it has been in years past. I could argue that. But I actually think the depth of the Big 12 is the best it's been in a long time. Because I know Kansas probably isn't going to get another win. They're going to finish 3-9. and, and what, nine. And I know that's not like, whoops, who cares? Like, they've done that. I still think this is a better Kansas team than we've seen in the past few years. Nine out of the ten teams technically still have a chance to go to a bowl lane. Well, techni- no, that's not actually accurate because two of the teams vying for a bowl game have to beat each other. The, the point is this. I think this is the the best the Big 12 has been from the top to the bottom in a long time. The problem is that because of that, you're seeing so many 6-4 and four teams right now, and that's hurting the Big 12 because you don't have any bunch of teams ranked. And this is always why, and I don't want to get into realignment talk, I just the whole point of only having 10 teams and everybody plays is everybody sounds really cool until you realize it means more losses for everybody, which... We can say that that doesn't really matter and that we're all smart enough to realize that playing everybody means you get more credit when in reality, having more teams mean you have fewer losses with more teams and more wins, so you get more ranked teams because that's how it really works. And the Big 12 stupid for only having 10 teams. Point of this, I think this is the best the Big 12 has been in a while, but that's the problem, is the teams in the middle and the bottom are such a jumbled mess it's hard to tell if the Big 12 is good or crap or just kind of is this year, and it's hurting OU. It's not hurting Baylor. Baylor's problem is that their non-conference schedule was a – like calling it garbage is an insult to garbage. It's just it, – that's the part of the problem. That and then the non-conference schedule as a whole because, let's be honest, the Big 12 doesn't have a single marquee non-conference win to hang its hat on. Hey, listen, we tried. <laughs> Well, we don't try a whole lot against Missouri, but you know, it. it you're right. That I think wouldn't in, be in a mar- that, that wouldn't be marquee. <laughs> it would be an right. SEC win. That counts everything, right? Like SEC. Kansas wins State beat Mississippi State. That doesn't count either. Well, I don't know. Yeah. It. That's because it's Kansas State, unfortunately, or Mississippi State, unfortunately, right? Like it's just it's weird <laughs> how they value these things differently. Because it's like that's the problem, is right? Like you, if if West Virginia we beat Tennessee last year, right? No one's looking at that as a good win. But if we were to have beaten uh, A&M somehow that's like the best thing that you could have ever do- accomplished as a football program apparently now and and that's where I'm going to kind of call it a question the voters who somehow gave Clemson three or four whatever AP top t- you know number one votes and you're like what what the hell have they done to earn the number one team in the country this year and I know the AP and the college football player are different but they they operate a lot of times under a similar mindset right it's it's they still are giving credit to someone who, you know, ha- it's like, oh, well, you were really good your sophomore year of, of high school, but, you know, we're going to give you a, uh, a GPA boost now for your, your junior year. And it's like, well, okay, yeah, if you look at the aggregate GPA, you're great, but 
this year you somehow had three C's and a D and you're getting, you know, you're just looking good because of what you did last year. Um, and, and it's frustrating because, I mean, to your point that, yes, on the whole, the Big 12 has improved from last year. I do believe that. I think you see a couple of teams that are kind of maybe not as good, but on the whole, it's, it's pretty good. But the problem is no one in the Big 12 outside of Oklahoma is a good football team, right? Like Baylor's a pretty good team. Uh, Oklahoma is objectively, I think, a good team. Is Oklahoma State objectively a good team? They've had struggles this year. Is Iowa State, Texas, Kansas State, you know, are they objectively good teams? No, they've had ups and downs as well. Uh, and maybe that's because they're all playing teams that are probably above average. Yeah, that's probably what it is. But it doesn't help. Uh, Oklahoma needed Texas to be good this year, not doing what we all knew they were going to do and be Texas. They mm-hmm. they needed another team, not named Baylor, to be a marquee name to beat because now that they've beaten Baylor that still doesn't get them a whole lot because they're going, well, you beat Baylor. Great. You should, which is not fair because Baylor has been for the most part of the season, a pretty like for all, but maybe even granted they've had some struggles in the second halves and first halves and whatever, but like they've proven they, they make games interesting for themselves, but like they've won and they've beaten teams that are pretty solid and they finally just, you know, maybe it was a luck run out type of situation but they they are a good team but Oklahoma's not going to get the credit that they deserve for beating an undefeated team at home like anyone in any other conference would get which is weird I mean Oregon's getting credit for beating Southern Cal Utah's getting credit for beating I don't know BYU maybe I don't know what they're (laughs) getting credit for no they're not Um, no they're not I mean maybe they're getting credit for playing USC at USC because they played them at home and that's somehow a thing I mean Clemson I don't know what they're getting credit for other than being a you know the the defending national champion but it's like well they're what are these teams getting credit they're blowing everybody out now they are they absolutely are but like I think that's the problem that like when people were arguing why is Ohio State above LSU and you go because Ohio State has played supposedly better teams than LSU um, which was fair at that point in time. And obviously now LSU has a better win. But the point is that o- that Oklahoma doesn't have a win over a marquee name this year. They have the win over Texas, which is great. But Texas is not going to be – I mean, they're not going to be a great team this year. They're, they maybe get to, what, uh, eight wins? That's uh, not going to help. That's the best they could do uh, at Baylor this point. Will pro- yeah, I mean, at best they're making a Texas Bowl appearance and – Tom Herman can make a fool of himself on a sideline mocking a, uh, another team's quarterback again, which <laughs> granted he doesn't need to go to a bowl game to do that. He's good at making a fool of himself regardless, but you know, it, it just sucks for Oklahoma. And I know you don't want to hear this, but like it sucks for Oklahoma because they just don't have that other team. who's like, Oh yeah, they need a good team. If anything, they beat Baylor and people are going, well, you beat Baylor. Great. You should. Yeah. I think the, the big 12 this year is the perfect um, explanation for why the playoff needs to expand because you're going to have, a lot or basically conferences that are getting better overall are getting now penalized for being better overall because there's more parity in that league. You know, there's, there's not that huge standout that's just going to beat the brains out of everybody when, when your league is all really, really close and you've got, you know, basically two teams that are better than everyone else in the league, but not by much. And so I think that's what is happening here is that, you know, the big 12 is getting penalized essentially for being a better league overall. The problem is, like the only way that the that the or I should say 
the the most surefire way for the playoff to expand would be for the SEC to not get a team in the playoff one year. If that were to ever happen, you I can guarantee you that the playoff would expand the next year, like automatically. Of course, the problem is <laughs> with the way the system is set up right now and how biased it is towards a conference like the SEC, there's no way that that's ever going to happen. And so who knows how long it's going to take? Like maybe we have to have like the defending national champion get left out of the playoff or something like that, you know, something crazy like that to happen, um, you know, or both, you know, the big 10 and the ACC, you know, to not have a, a, a representative. So like if, if the playoff one year would say the sec champ, the big 12 champ, the PAC 12 champ and Notre Dame, like maybe that would be enough people getting upset with the, with the way that it's going that, Hey, we would get an expansion. But at this point, like the only way that the big 12 is going to benefit from becoming a better conference overall is if the conference champ is guaranteed to get in the playoff because then they'll be better tested. They'll have faced a lot more and be ready to go in the playoff and not have to worry about, Oh, are we beating each other up so much that we're actually not even going to get a chance? So what you're saying is that we need to expand to 12 total teams and have two divisions of six. That's what I'm saying. Yes. Saying. Great. Yes. No, no, no. I said expand I mean, the this playoff, is the, not the conference. Look. <laughs> no, that's, no, not no. Much, that's not what I heard. <laughs> expanding, the, expanding the conference has always been the right thing, but I don't want to get into that because that's not the point, and, and people think it's it's silly, but while I think writers should, I mean, I and think sports... I think that. <laughs> because, because the smaller the conference, the more losses are handed out. And record... We can say what we want. Preseason expectation and record at the end of the year matter more than anything else. Why do you think A&M is still being is going to be ranked at 7 and 3? Because they were number 12 preseason. Are we are they really that good or did we just know that they were going to preseason everyone's like, "Yeah, they're going to be like the best 8 and 4 team in the country." And it's like that's the stupidest thing to say preseason because then they finish 8 and 4 and you're like, "See, they're really good." So that means it's because they lost to four better teams, but they're really good. You're like, "That doesn't mean shit." Like, uh, okay, we're, enough. Let's move on because we do have some other things and we're running out of time. Um, I, I did want to talk, but Bart basically called us out on Twitter. I don't say call that. Basically asked to come on the show. And when people, when my guests ask to come on the show, of course I'm going to let them come on the show. And, I, and Bart, I want to give you a moment. West Virginia getting a surprising win over, over Kansas State on Saturday. Uh, Seth uh, Doji. I'm sorry. I'm never going to see his name spelled Doji and not think of the weird dog meme where it's spelled like Doge. So... What happened with West Virginia? Like, I think their defense has figured things out. You had a, had a an impressive performance against Baylor. Then, obviously, you've had a good performance against Kansas State. What's going on with West Virginia? Has Neil Brown kind of turned that corner? I figured he would turn at some point late in the season. Ooh, that's a tough question because um, after last week's game, I was I wasn't by any stretch of the imagination ready to fire Neil Brown. I think that's been a weird thing of like dissension amongst WVU fans this year. It's if you like had the what? audacity to question Neil Brown's decision, <laughs> they're like, "Well, you trust the climb, you know, it's a process." And I'm like, "Yeah, but this was a dumb decision. Why did he not call a timeout to <laughs> on a, an expiring play clock uh, <laughs> on a field goal at the last play of the game?" Regardless. Um, you know, it was it was weird because I think we all were wondering when he was going to start playing the other guy because the guy that was playing was not getting it done. And and I've said this all season that to me, Austin Kendall was not the guy. He was just a guy. And it was very apparent that there's a reason a couple of quarterbacks were starting ahead of him. Now, granted, those quarterbacks were Heisman winners, but, you know, why did they have to continually get why did three quarterbacks transfer to Oklahoma in a row 
that won the job over or would have won the job over Kendall in Hertz's case. So um, it, it was very clear that the problem, as much as Neil will say that the problems are more than the quarterback, and he's 100% right, we still don't have an offensive line who can block for more than four seconds. It was a matter of Neil needed to make the decision to, I think at this point it was, he needed to make the decision to build momentum to next year. And I think that's the most important thing as you look forward. And, and we got that momentum building win against Kansas State. I don't know if we make a bowl game. I think a bowl game is incredibly crucial for this team to get extra practices and just get the excitement and experience of going to a bowl game together and, and get, you know, built as you go to 2020. But it, it is very apparent that we were an okay team uh, who really just needed one player that was not even special. I don't think, I don't think Daggy was, was, was special. I think he was just what a quarterback should be. <laughs> and it was, it was nice to see that. Okay. So I'm, I, is that being, I've I thought all around the fans are listening going, yeah, that's right. Well, I thought all along that Neil Brown was the, was the best hire this offseason, And we all knew this was going to be a rough year. And I saw preseason expectations at West Virginia make a bowl game. And I was just like, you're idiots. Like, stop. But I, I did feel that as an OSU fan, let me come at it from that angle. The game this coming Saturday between Oklahoma State at West Virginia, I always had circled as a, a I don't want to say trap game. I think the term trap game is overused too much. But was the potential for a, a either close or an upset game because I felt Neil Brown would have West Virginia playing its best ball by the end of the season, as you would expect any coach to do barring injury, to have a team playing at its best. And I trusted Neil Brown that even with a roster I didn't think was all that great, to have this team playing well enough to beat some some other teams in the Big 12. Obviously, they got the Kansas State win on Saturday. So I look at this game on Saturday, and, and from a Big 12 perspective, from a helicopter view, like if you're a Big 12 fan who wants the conference in the playoff, you really want OSU to get this win because Oklahoma needs to have another ranked win on there on their resume and they have bedlam at the end of the season, but uh, we're not going to, I'm not going to do a big game preview this week. We're going to try and do something different on Wednesday. So I, I am curious from your perspective, like what kind of chance do you give West Virginia of getting to a bowl game this season? They'd have to win their last two games. Uh, I believe that it's Oklahoma state and I'm going to do a little TCU little TCU, which isn't, I mean, they're coming on at the right time, but that's not a, that's not an auto win for TCU either. What chance do you give of West Virginia actually getting to a bowl game and reaching six and six? So I think right now it's about a 35% chance because I think that I think we have a good chance to beat Oklahoma state at home. Um, I don't, I think that it's, I don't think it's a toss up. I think we're definitely the underdog, but I think uh, as we saw against Kansas state, if we are able to get to the quarterback and affect him the way that we did in against Baylor the way we did against Kansas State and even the way we did against uh, Texas and, and Kansas to an extent um, we're going to be a much more effective defense as all the defenses are um, but I think now especially it's that we the, the struggle we had during October and and the first part of November was that we didn't have any like we had no ability on offense to actually score if if Austin Kendall is not starting that game against Baylor, Baylor is not undefeated when they play Oklahoma. When they play Oklahoma, like that's the problem that bothers me is we lost that game seventeen to fourteen, and we did 
our defense did everything possible to give our offense a chance to win. And in the Big 12, that's, it takes an offense that can get 30 points a game to win. Um, and it takes a defense you can maybe hold a team under 30 points a game. And, and it's, it's been frustrating because it's, it definitely is. We have the right guy at quarterback now. And that alone gives us a pretty a, a much better shot against Oklahoma State. And I think TCU is this weird team that if they start well, they're going to play a really good game. But if if they're not, it's a weird thing. If they don't look like they're ready to play, they're they're it's very Jekyll and Hyde with them this year. And, and I think maybe that was some quarterback issues that they may have resolved. But I do think that we can go into Fort Worth and get a win. But I think if we lose to Oklahoma State, then I don't think we win against TCU, if that makes sense. I think those games are kind of piggybacked. And and not that the team would quit. I don't think that's the map, the, what we're saying. But, like, you know at that point your season's kind of done. And you're, even as a, a coaching staff, you aren't – the urgency isn't there. And I think that was the – that would be a theme that you would see throughout the rest of the season is there's finally urgency. And I think that was another theme of the Kansas state game is it was guys, we have to win now. So I'm hoping that that urgency does kick it up, but I, I still think we're total underdogs in the next two games, but I think we have a 35% chance of making the bowl game. I, I think you're, you're kind of, kind of overselling that a little bit to be honest, just because I mean, looking on ESPN F, FPI, you know, it's saying you got about a 27% chance of winning that game against Oklahoma State, which sounds about right to me. I probably would have said you probably have about a 30% in each of those games, which if you multiply that out, you know, having to win both of them, that gives you roughly a 9 to 10% chance of winning or of winning both and going to a bowl game. Um, Listen, I'm you know, a marketing copywriter. I don't do numbers. <laughs> well, maybe there's a reason. No, no. <laughs> but no, I mean, honestly, I think it's I think it's fair to say that, you know, a 30% chance of winning that Oklahoma state game, I think is a fair number that might even be a little high, but if you assume 30% there and you assume 30% TCU, you know, even if you are generous and give them say 40% at TCU, you're still looking at no better than about a 15% chance of winning both of those games. Now I can agree with you that, you know, winning the game against Oklahoma state would increase the chances against TCU. But even then still like looking at it now, you know, you're still looking at probably the highest that I could get to is a 15 to 20 percent chance of making a bowl game. And I mean, it, it is a long shot for sure. And I think everybody realizes that, um, you know, it, I think the biggest hurdle, though, is winning against OSU this weekend because OSU is playing a whole lot better than than I think a, a lot of people really thought they were. And and, you know, I'll hear a lot of people say that, well, winning against Kansas doesn't really mean a whole lot. But look, Oklahoma State beat Kansas and slowed Kansas down. And, and I was actually kind of hoping that we wouldn't talk about this at all, but it's naturally coming up. They beat Kansas in a way that Kansas really had not yet been beat this year. Um, you know, it, it kind of looked a lot similar, but the way Kansas got shut down completely before was the lines got dominated. Kansas state did it. TCU did it. Um, Oklahoma state did not dominate Kansas. The line, they played really good coverage. And they were able to get out in space and stop the running backs from really turning that corner. And that shut down a lot of what Kansas was trying to do. Um, you know, Kansas did not, or they played the kind of game that they wanted to play. They just weren't able to execute. Um, and a lot of that had to do with the way that Oklahoma state did it. And so they beat Kansas in a, a different way than I think a lot of people came to expect. You have to shut down an offense like that. 
And, and I think it shows that Oklahoma State is playing a lot better now than they have probably even at any point prior to this point in the season. And so I think that's the biggest, you know, the toughest task for West Virginia is winning that game against Oklahoma State. Well, don't tell Oklahoma State fans that they're playing well because my Oklahoma State fans on Twitter have been still pretty uh, negative. Now, granted, the good ones are, are very positive. And I think I remember saying at the when we were talking about looking at the Big 12 in the offseason and everyone's trying to say who's going to be good and whatnot. And I, I remember saying, you know, Mike Gundy is still coaching there. He's a pretty darn good coach. People forget that. Um, I, I, I mean, I agree. I think the, beating Oklahoma State is going to be incredibly difficult. I, I think that we have a good chance of, beating them at home um, but that chance is still a a under uh, an overwhelming uh favor of Oklahoma State so I I mean I think that we have a very clear path to make a bowl game and I think it's it's nice that the toughest game we have is at home um I don't I don't think we do I I'm very I'm just I I think that there are chances to do it and one of them being that we have Oklahoma State at home and TCU is a kind of unpredictable team I, mean, I would say that that's that's a whole lot better than me going crazy back when uh, Kansas was playing TC or Texas Tech and saying <laughs> that I thought the winner was going to go to a bowl game. So you know how that turned out. Kansas can't go to a bowl game now, and they're the ones that won the game. So at least you're not the completely super op- optimistic and unrealistic fan that I was just a few weeks ago. It's okay, Andy. Andy, we still we still like you. Don't worry. Uh, I will say Oklahoma State opened as an eight point favorite in that game in Morgantown. So Vegas isn't just like. Super psyched about OSU in that game, and, and as an OSU fan, it scares the the Jesus out of me and has all off season. But we will uh, we'll talk about that more later this week, probably when we make picks on Friday. Guys, you have been awesome. We got to wrap this up because we have gone way longer than I usually like to go on uh, on an episode. But I don't care. You guys have been awesome. Bart, do me a favor. How can everybody catch your work? So I write for smokingmusket.com. It's pretty easy, smokingmusket.com. We're on Facebook at The Smoking Musket and on Twitter at Smoking Musket. Um, we're really excited our, about our basketball team right now, and now we have another reason to talk about football. So that's going to be a good week for us. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at BarnabasPrime19. Um, it's been I, – I will say this again to Baylor fans that allow yourself to cry, allow yourself to grieve, and they don't talk about it ever again. So – Thank you for having me on. It was it was a blast. Andy, as always, it's been a pleasure. Do me a favor, where can everybody check out the work you do covering the Big 12 and Kansas? Yeah, so I, I cover the Big 12 over at Land Grand Gauntlet, of course. Um, you can uh, catch all my KU-related discussion over at the, the Rock Chalk Podcast, which is at Rock Chalk Pod on Twitter, and, of course, over at rockchalktalk.com. We, unfortunately... Um, are not excited about the last couple weeks of football season. We are definitely all in on basketball and surprisingly on uh, women's soccer with the NCAA tournament going full strength right now. Again, it's been fun. I look forward to seeing all of you guys again back here on Wednesday for what's not going to be a big game preview. We're going to try and do something a little bit different this week, so we will talk to you guys. Hey guys, a couple of things before we go. Just a reminder, make sure you're subscribed to the 1012 podcast so you don't miss a single episode during the football season. Two, rate and review the show. Five stars, please. It helps guests get the word out about the show to other people. 
Plus, we just like to know what you like and don't like. Just if you're going to give us one star, let us know why. We appreciate it. Don't forget, if you want to be part of our first mailbag episode this month, shoot us your question. You can DM us on Twitter at 1012podcast, T-E-N, the number 12, the word podcast, or you can shoot it to us in an email. That's 1012podcast, T-E-N, number 12, word podcast, at gmail.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.